Hey, this is Matt from Star Tours. You're listening to the Mousecapades Podcast. You're at the right place at the right time. You found the number one podcast that entertains the space between your ears. It's super califragilistic, I hope you enjoy the show. If you're like me, you're going to laugh a lot. We invite you to pull up a chair. Relax and get ready to take a trip to the vacation kingdom of the world. So, grab your magic bands and your Mickey ears. Here we go. Because it's time for another episode of the Mousecapades Podcast. It means no worries for the rest of your days. Happy Wednesday, Mousecapades listeners! We hope you're having an awesome week. We're on fall break here from our school, but it feels like winter here in Missouri. This is Vicki, and I'm here with Brad, and you're listening to the number one podcast that entertains the space between your ears, the Mousecapades podcast. As you all know, Nick is visiting the happiest place on earth, so our producer and my husband is filling in for him. Hopefully you've been following Nick on our social media accounts. Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. He's definitely been filling them up, and uh, we've been enjoying looking at his pictures. It seems that he's rode Splash Mountain a million times, Brad. what Did you, did you see that? Yes. I think he just went on it over and over and over because he's in uh, the Lion, he's in his Lion King shirt multiple times. Yeah. Well, hello, everyone. This is episode 363, and today we will be bringing you the latest news, rumors, and history But before we get into that, I'd like to mention that today is my wife's birthday. Yay! And I have a short clip I'd like to play in her honor, so here it is. Happy birthday, Vicky. I hope it's a truly magical day for you. You at least have this week off of school for fall break. So that's a plus right there from the get-go. Well, all right, we'll move on. We'd like to encourage you to check out our friends at WaltExpress.com for Disney deals, tips, tricks, and all things Disney. And the current blogs that are up right now are these. Five reasons why you should take a Disney cruise right now by Van de Beam. Next is a Disney dining review on Hollywood Studios Sci-Fi Dine-In Restaurant by Mandy Middleton. And the last one, new update, Disney's Caribbean Resort Refurbishment by Van de Beam. And those are pretty amazing, and I'm going to actually talk about that later in the show, Brad. Um, the listeners know that I really love Caribbean Beach, or we do as a family, 
and um, hope we get to go back there. But I think their prices are going to raise when they see the updates. Probably. I was going to say, did you look at any of them? I did not. Okay. My first article this week, uh, I was sad that Nick was going to miss this. Not because I don't want to talk to you about it, Brad, but he uh, always loves to dish a good story about Bob Iger, as you well know. Bob Iger confirmed that he had worked on a 2020 presidential run as if he was going to run for office, but he's leaving the door open for 2024. So he was in Vanity Fair this week and he confirmed that he had been doing some work on a 2020 presidential run, which is interesting because I don't think that up until now, if you can correct me if I'm wrong, do you remember if Nick and I had talked about that? I don't think that we had seen anything about this. I don't remember that being talked about, but I may have missed it. Well, it's interesting because um, that never even crossed my mind. It may have crossed Nick's, but you think there would have been some kind of rumor out there for us to uh, pay attention to. But at any rate, Bob Iger said, it wasn't just something I was talking about with reporters and friends and colleagues. I was actually doing some work on it, but the primary reason I dropped is because of the big Fox deal that we've been talking about for months. And while he is agreed to remain with Disney through 2021. He has not ruled out the fact that he may run for election in 2024. So right now, he said, I'm not doing anything with 2020. I'm running the company through 2021 and I've made no decision about what I'll do after that. I have thought very little about it. This non-answer mirrors how he originally addressed the 2020 questions when in fact he admits to have done more than just focus on running Disney. Very interesting. Yeah, it would be interesting to see him. I don't know... Um, I know we've had a lot of disagreements with some of the things that he's done at Disney. Right. I, and Sometimes it doesn't translate very well when you try to so I'm not m- sure. move into the political arena. So I don't know how that would work. Yeah, I don't know that I would want him as a president, but who knows? I mean, there's a lot of things that I don't know that I would have known it would ever happen in this world. So um, it's not up to me, is it? This is true. This is true. Well, I have one. Um, I did some research on this. It's about the Mickey's not-so-scary Halloween party and this is just out on some of the Diz boards I was looking at and people were complaining about the crowd and how they're they're thinking that there's many more people that they've over basically oversold this event this year as opposed to prior years. So there's some people who are saying, hey, I'm I'm here right now. I'm waiting 55 minutes for Space Mountain, 35 minutes for Pirates, 40 minutes for Big Thunder, 10 minutes plus for the treat stations, crowds everywhere. And they're like, we may well just come in July. Which is interesting because they did have a cap on it. I'm wondering if maybe they did rise uh, the cap that we'll be able to find more about that when Nick comes back because he did go to Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween party. Yeah. Or maybe he's going. He hasn't posted any pictures of himself as a pirate, so he may have not gone to that yet. That may be today for all I know. Correct. And then just another comment was was like, early reports back in August said the same thing and there was a post somewhere that Disney confirmed about them raising the ceiling on the total possible tickets by 50% over last year's available tickets. So, some people have reported light crowds on certain party nights, but it seems that's a function of luck rather than anything Disney is doing to control crowds. So again, this was this information is as of Monday, October 8th. So they were talking about the prior week. It may be that, you know, October is a big, the beginning of October may just be a big push for people to go there. I don't know. And I could totally see them raising the amount of people that they let in because the tickets get higher the closer it gets, as you know, because we did uh, yes. Mickey's A Very Merry Christmas and because we were arriving on the very last night, we paid an extra 10 or $15 a person because we were there on the very last night. Yes. And we all know that they're in it to make money. 
And so... That's what it's all about in the end for Disney. So. And so I'm interested to see what Nick has to say. Um, although we all know that Nick's most important thing is Splash Mountain. He wants to ride that about a hundred times. And uh, seeing how much candy he can scam off of the people to giving it out. Right. Uh, even though he didn't bring it back. Nick, I hope you pack that big backpack we talked about so you can bring back all that candy for us to share with our colleagues. I can't blame him. He wants to get the most for his money. I get it. But um, that is sad about the treat stations that they were talking about because when we did the Christmas one, it was a fine-tuned machine. I mean, we were in and out, in and out, in and out, and there were so many people running it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to get Nick's report. He always has a a very honest opinion of what he thinks of things. Yeah, it'll be interesting, his take on on that this year, on the Mickey's Not So Scary. So this goes along with what uh, Brad was saying about one of the articles that uh, I believe it was Van De Bean did about Disney's Caribbean Beach. So the Old Point Up, Old Port Royal reopened at Disney's Caribbean Beach Resort this week, except for you used to check in at a different area. And now that is going to also be the place where the lobby and uh, check-in area are, including the dining options and their store and just so much more. So I was looking at the pictures. If you've not seen it, I would totally encourage you to get on Google and check that out because it is amazing. But as I was telling Brad before, totally worried they're going to raise up the prices or maybe move it up not to just a moderate. I mean, I could see them raising it up, but who knows? We'll have to see. So the newly reopened section of the hotel features a brand new check-in and a concierge area with lounge style seating, a new souvenir and supply shop, and three exciting new dining options. I know that Nick mentioned one of them last week. I'm going to talk more about it as we go on about the new changes. So the new lobby provides a relaxed mood and it has a tropical look, which it kind of did before, but I think they stepped it up a notch. They got plenty of seating, which they didn't necessarily have tons of seating before. They have ceiling to floor drapes and a colorful design. And they said that guests can even meet Mickey and Minnie in their Caribbean costumes in the new lobby. The Calypso Trading Post is back and that's where the guests can get everything they need for their trip. And I will say that we found that that was one of the best gift shops. It had pretty much everything we would uh, eat as you've heard us say before, if you've listened to the show, we usually like grab bagels or something and bring with us in our luggage or even buy them there and get some cream cheese and some milk and just have a quick breakfast like that in our rooms. And we were able to get all of that at the Calypso Trading Post, um, along with souvenirs and other merchandise that you might want. I know that we all talked about packing flip-flops because we were going to ride Splash Mountain and Brad didn't get that memo. Nope. (laughs) Didn't get that memo. So we uh, picked up a pair of flip-flops at the Calypso Trading post that year and got Brad some Mickey Mouse flip-flops and he now has them so he always has them when we go back so he can use them when we go to the pool or whatever. So the three new dining areas, one of them is Sebastian's Bistro and I can't remember the name of it for the life of me. It's escaping me what it used to be for the sit-down dinner that was at Caribbean Beach but they actually made it come out to the water since you're supposed to be getting that Caribbean experience and so in Sebastian's now the host. There wasn't like a Disney host to it. Sebastian, the crab from Little Mermaid. And so it's a Caribbean inspired table service restaurant serving up surf and turf meals, Latin and Caribbean flavors. And so you can start, as Nick said last week, making reservations for that. And it does look better than the one before. Oh, Shudders. That was what it used to be called. Shudders. It just came back to me. The food was, I'm sure, delicious in the former Shudders restaurant, but this one makes it look better. And maybe it's just because it's related to a Disney character. I don't know 
why I'm enjoying the look mm-hmm. of it. I don't know. And you said you didn't have a chance to look at it yet. I did not. I have not seen what it looks like. So. But it looks like something that we should actually try if we ever, you know, oh, yeah. get a chance. So the Centertown Market um, is just what used to be. It's like the quick serve meals. You can go in there and grab a quick bite. They also have, um, trying to see, Banana Cabana. And this is like a poolside bar area that has specialty drinks from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. It didn't mention that it really had food, so I'm not sure. But the way that it's set up, the Banana Cabana is really close to Centertown Market. So if you want to go grab like a pretzel or something and then come out and get yourself a drink or something and sit by the pool, you can still still do that. So it looks really cool. If you've never stayed at Caribbean Beach, I would encourage you to give it a shot. It does have rooms that have enough room for five people if you have a smaller person that you can put on the let out bed because it literally flips out from the wall. But um, it was one of our favorite resorts, I would say. Yeah. And the thing I like, one of my takeaways from this topic that you just talked about was I'm glad Disney's putting back, you know, money into refurbishment and to building this up a little bit. Yeah. I think it's, I think that's good when they do that. It'll only make people want to come probably even more. Right. Than they do now. Well, the last time we went there, or maybe it was two times ago, I think it was two times ago that, that we were there, they had just refurbished the rooms and they looked amazing. Yeah. And so I'm looking forward to that this year, hoping that we get to have some refurbishment at All Star Music. So, yeah. Just, the, you know, everything Disney does is top notch. So it is, you know, like you said, a good thing that they reinvest in themselves. Right. All right, Vic. Well, my next topic is, I know you, we had kind of talked about this very briefly about, uh, we're not sure if we're going to talk about details of this, but I'm going to go there because this is, this is legitimate news and it was reported by the Orlando Sentinel. And this is Disney files a petition to keep autism lawsuits from going to trial. And if Nick was here, Brad, he would totally be on this, I can tell you right now. This is, he loves a good lawsuit. That's why I brought it up. I'm like, I have to act <laughs> in and, his be, place. and be Nick. So I saw the word lawsuit in this article and I'm like, oh, got to bring it up. So here's the basic premise. In August of this year, the U.S. Court of Appeals, 11th Circuit in Atlanta, ruled that approximately 30 pending lawsuits against Walt Disney Company should be heard at trial. Those lawsuits contend that people with autism are no longer accommodated for their disabilities because they must wait before getting on theme park attraction. Now, the Walt Disney Company has filed a petition asking for the court to reconsider that decision. Under the current system, guests with disabilities must go to the ride or attraction and present their DAS card, that's the Disability Access Service card. Then they are assigned a return time to the attraction. And when they return at that time, they're put in queue at the end of the fast pass line. So even when they return, there could be a minimal wait because they're still put in the fast pass line. Which surprises me. Right. So prior to, but prior to 2013, guests with disabilities were not assigned a return time and were given immediate access to the attraction. So basically they could show up, they would put them at the beginning of the line, they just put them right on the ride. And so Disney admitted that that system under those rules prior to 2013 were definitely abused because allegedly people with, you know, some wealthy people with families, they would, they would hire a disabled person to go in their party so that that could get them to the front of the line and immediate access, which that's part of what necessitated this their policy change in 2013. And is 
to, to at least make them return still with a minimal weight. And Nick and I have talked about this before, which is why they came up with that rule, especially with wheelchair uh, families. Yes. You're only allowed um, so many people to go with a wheelchair family because people were bringing their uh, wheelchair family member, like this one that when we were there, the woman had to easily be late 80s, early 90s in the wheelchair and all these kids had come with her. She never rode all the rides. They just used her to get on the rides. And it, oh, yeah. it was just a sad, it's just a sad state of what our, our uh, country has come to, yes. I guess. And so the current lawsuits against Disney claim that the new policy that still makes guests wait, you know, guests with autism, it still makes them wait, which can cause meltdowns. If you know anything about some of the autism spectrums, you know, that can cause meltdowns and children with severe autism can find that to be very, very difficult and they have a hard time understanding the concept of time or having to wait. So... In response to this, in court documents, Disney has stated that the court's ruling, quote, assumes that Disney somehow has the ability, let alone legal obligation, to prevent meltdowns with instant and unrestricted ride entry, unquote. Disney has also stated that this requirement is, quote, untenable, but also incompatible with the way places of public accommodation have operated for decades, unquote. And so Disney's also looking to cut down on the number of plaintiffs claiming claiming that at least seven of them do not have severe autism. So, kind of wanted to talk about this a little bit, Vic. I don't know. I think I'm going to stick to what Disney's response is and just talk about that. Okay. Which is, I think they kind of took the high road a little bit there and said, well, you're trying to make us do something that not everyone else accommodates. accommodates. Like Universal Studios like and SeaWorld. Yeah, and- like you're trying to hold us to a higher standard than other play- public places that allow accommodations. You don't require that of them. So that's kind of their stance on it, and that's what they're probably going to argue in court. I don't know how it's going to play out. I I just know that the reason they had to change the policy back in 2013 is because, again, people abuse the system. So because people abuse the system, those few people cause everyone to feel the pain of policy changes. That's just the way it works. I don't know that it's right or wrong. wrong. I'm just saying Disney has to balance, you know, those people with disabilities and needs against their greater audience of people who don't, who are going to get mad if you, you know, allow that. So I think they're trying to strike a balance based on what I see Disney's response, but the people who are filing the lawsuits doesn't seem like that's appeasing them very much. Well, the interesting thing about this is, you know, having been a teacher and Nick's a teacher as well, we've seen situations where um, parents want their child to get the same treatment as every other student. They want them in the classroom. They want them doing all the assignments as the uh, other students are doing. But then in this situation, they may want them to be able to go to the front of the line. And I know that that makes people angry because, you know, they don't understand why you want your child to be treated like every other child one place, but you want your child to have special treatment another place, which causes a problem in our society now. Um, kids have meltdowns all the time. They don't necessarily have to have a medical diagnosis. You know this as well. You know, you know, I mean, I don't think you've seen too many of them. Well, that's not true. You did see a couple of them at kids camp when we were there. Yes, I've definitely gotten exposed to more of them over the years, you know, than... Right. So kids just throw an out and out fit if they don't get their way. Like if their parents do not give them what they 
want. And um, that all stems down to, and, and I never even really thought about it until we were at Joey's graduation this year when the principal said, this is the first class that was born into technology and doesn't know instant gratification or doesn't know not getting instant gratification. They don't understand when they can't do their homework assignment in five minutes. Correct. They don't understand when mom and dad say, I'm sorry, you can't do that right now. And so this... I think is going to bring about a lot of lawsuits. Yeah, and I think this is pretty controversial only because, you know, Disney can't ask you for a doctor's note of a diagnosis in order for them to give you the DAS card. They take you, it's an honor system. They take you at your word, but they do say the more details you can provide about your circumstance, the better they can try to accommodate you. So I think what they, I think they probably, based on that, I think they probably do have cast members that are probably pretty trained in trying to weed out some abuse. Right. You know, to try to prevent that. I think that's why they ask you, give us as many details details as you feel comfortable giving us so that we can try to help accommodate you. Because I think if they think it's a legitimate thing, they're going to be much more open to trying to help you through that than if they suspect that you're just trying to playing the system. Yeah. Yeah, it it is really sad. And I do know that they could, Brad, ask for medical paperwork. And here's why. Because um, Nick's mom brought medical paperwork after she had surgery that time so that she could get a EVC to use while she was there. Oh, and- yeah. I don't th- I don't think there's anything preventing you from presenting that. I just don't think legally Disney can require you to present Well, that. I think that he said, uh, and I could be wrong. I'll have to go back and check with him. But I'm pretty sure that they said now to... Uh, get that at the whatever guest services when you first arrive you have to show what your purpose is why you have to have that Mm. now I mean my doctor would write that for mine because my knee is so bad I don't want to ride in there because it's actually better for me to be walking around Um, it just makes it worse for me to for my knee it locks up but I'm sure there's somebody that would bring that and all they would have to do is go and show that it's a true thing so but is is that specifically for East ECVs or EVCs? Whatever they're, whatever that is, electronic vehicle, whatever. Um, yes, I believe so. But I mean, I'm saying if they can do it with that, I think that they can yeah. now make the disabilities awareness card. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. All, all I read in, in prep for this article was that. Oh, sure. Like Lee, Disney can't ask for that legally, like right. for a doctor's note of diagnosis. They can't ask that legally, but times they're changing. Yes. They might be going towards that. I yeah. don't know. I would think they would have to. So it was announced that uh, many executives from the 21st Century Fox company will be moving to Disney TV and its operation. And Brad, I mentioned to you, but I didn't say too much because I knew you were going to be recording with me. I think this is going to be a little sticky situation. When you merge two companies, you always have a little bit of hurt feelings or feeling like you didn't, your job's not the same or, you know, you get new bosses. I mean, it's the same thing like when we get a new principal. So with the departure of Ben Sherwood, it's likely that the TV business will see the biggest influx of Fox talent as they've ever found much success while ABC has laggard. First, let's get to know the Disney newest cast member. So Peter Rice is currently the chairman, Walt Disney Television and co-chair Disney Media Networks. Um, He's often been named as a potential successor for Bob Iger and even before the acquisition they were announcing that while he will not have oversight over uh, ESPN he does have experience with sports which would help him build a case for Disney CEO also he has experience with movies including having led Fox 
Searchlight, and he's been with Fox since 1989, which mirrors Bob Iger, who also spent his career with one employee that was acquired by Disney. And so the one thing I wanted to talk about on this is, so earlier in, in one of your articles, you had mentioned it was the presidential thing that Bob, Bob Iger right. mentioned. He said, I'm going to run the company until 2021. So has he already stated that that's his end date? Well, that was, he pushed it up to 2021 because it was before okay. that, but then this Fox deal was going on and that is a, a, I will give him that as a leader. He didn't leave them hanging in the middle of this right. acquisition at all. So this is, you're saying this Peter Rice is a potential successor. It's somebody that he yeah. mentioned as being a good person to take over for him. But probably not until 2021 or after, whenever, right. whenever Bob Iger makes the final decision of moving on or Agreed. stepping down. Yes. So then there's Dana Walden. She's the chairman of Disney Television Studios and ABC Entertainment. She's been with 21st Century Fox for over 20 years, essentially trading over oversight of the Fox network for the ABC network. And she will also oversee Freeform. You have all these people coming in and when you merge two companies, there sometimes causes a little bit of a war. This next guy is John Landgraf. He's the chairman of X. FX Networks and FX Productions. He'll oversee the edgy content of FX, which was something that Nick and I talked about because the edgy content on FX is not usually of the Disney family. Oh no, like things like American Horror Story, that's far from Disney. definitely not a Disney. I mean, that's a a very mature, it is not for children at all. And I worry about that. I worry that people think that Disney owns it, that they'll let their kids, because some of our kids watch some stuff nowadays. I mean, I know Lee teaches in high school, so his kids of course are going to see that kind of stuff, but we teach elementary students and it amazes me what their parents allow them to watch because they say, oh, that's this channel or it's that channel. Well, now, uh, parents, if you're listening, please be warned. It The content on FX is scary if you've never really been on it. There's some really interesting shows that I would not want my young child watching. I like some of those shows. But, but you're that, an adult. But that is definitely adult. Some of that is definitely adult content for sure. Well, I know our kids won't even watch it with you because they said it. it's just not a comfortable situation. Even if they no. wanted to watch it, they wouldn't watch it with you because they still think of us as their parents and that... Correct. We would not really want them watching this. So also John Landgraf is expected to gain additional resources to create more content for additional offerings, including Hulu. And he has experience with direct to consumer services with FX plus. So this is going to be interesting. And then there's one more man in the mix and that's Gary Nell. He's the chairman of national geographic partners. He's been the head of national geographic since 2014. National geographic has been pointed out by Bob Iger as very complimentary to Disney's legacy, which I would agree. I mean, I know they show things, but they're showing real life things like in Africa or whatever, the way people live, it's, they don't necessarily wear clothes and stuff, but that's how they, that's the real life. That's not like making things up or making things more documentary based correct, or driven, I think. So while oversight includes National Geographic's travel, consumer products and publishing businesses, the brand has been placed under the TV segment, perhaps as a way to provide continuity with its existing structure, which I could see. And I mean, I could see uh, Disney and National Geographic actually merging together way better than some of these other channels because um, like the shows that are the movies that Morgan Freeman always narrates would be perfect with National Geographic. The voice of God. <laughs> so many of the Fox executives have are coming in with the title of chairman, while the existing Disney TV executives have the title of president, such as Disney Channel's head Gary Marsh and ABC News' James Goldston. There's no way that this went unnoticed on the Disney lot. They're saying that they feel like it's like a war waiting to happen. So while cable networks such as Disney Channel, FX, and the National Geographic Channel will report to Rice, Freeform will report to Walden, essentially making an extension of ABC 
and not its own segment. The TV business has been Fox's bright spot while Disney has struggled for the most part. The situation is reversed at the movie studio where Disney executives are expected to keep a hold of major oversight with the Fox talent managing the businesses that are coming over, such as Fox. Searchlight. See, this just keeps... It's very interesting how this is going to all play out. I feel like mm, it's going to get ugly, I think. Yeah. I mean, lawsuits, I feel like, are... I mean, they'll probably try to keep that internal war to a minimum out out of the public eye. But just from the the personalities you see here, you know, these people... people They're used to being in charge. Yeah, people in these CEO and, you know, high up positions, they're used to having their way and being in, in charge. And I can see... You know, it could turn into a internal bloodbath, you know, that they'll try to keep out of the spotlight. But so that's why I'm saying we'll have to see how it plays, what the end result is. So despite expectations of cost efficiency, the only executive that is officially departing is Ben Sherwood, like we talked about before. And so the other layoffs are expected. They have yet to be announced and will probably not occur until after the new leaders have had time to evaluate the ongoing structure and what it's going to be. So... The TV segment will essentially manage program TV segment, excuse me, will essentially manage programming and marketing. Most of the distribution function is now overseen by the director to consumer segment, Kevin Mayer. But they expect many articles to pit Rice and Mayer against each other as their heir apparent for Bob Iger's job. There we go. This is similar to when the press put Rasulo and Staggs in a bake off for Disney's top job. They did not turn out as expected for either of those gentlemen. So um I hope this could be a smooth transition, but we all know in the business world, it's, you know, as you said, it can become a bloodbath. Yeah, I just hope none of that really affects, you know, the end result of the products or, you know, sometimes those distractions can really affect the business. So I hope they don't take their eye off the ball too much with that internal conflict because that's when things can go downhill fast. I just feel like the ghost of Walt may return to try to yeah. get the company back the way he wanted it all those years ago. Yeah. All right. Well, next on my list, Vic, uh, I saw this on one of the, uh, it was Walt Disney Studios. Yeah. This is the source for this. And I found this on Friday. It's uh, 10, 12, 18. Walt Disney Studios has released the first trailer teaser for the upcoming live action version of Disney's Aladdin. I'm pretty stoked about this after seeing the trailer. Uh, the clip features what will likely be one of the first scenes of the film in which Mina Masu, which is the actor that plays Aladdin, enters the Cave of Wonders. And so the 90-second trailer is set to the familiar musical overtures of Arabian Nights and Friend Like Me. And Aladdin will also feature Naomi Scott as Princess Jasmine and Will Smith as the genie. The film is set to be released on May 24th, 2019. And I don't know about you, Vic, but there will never be another genie besides Robin Williams. But we'll see what Will can do with it. I mean, it'll probably be good, but in my mind, I'll probably always be hearing Robin Williams. Well, I know that the radio is reporting that this clip was coming out, too. I actually have not watched it yet. I probably should, but they were saying the same thing. They love Will Smith. He's become an amazing actor in his own right and even producing and directing some of his own pieces. But Robin Williams was just iconic in himself and could just on the fly create things that no one knew that he could. Some of the lines that in that movie are not even written. They just let him go on his craziness. That's the thing is like you just some of the directors they've interviewed, you know, they didn't want to stifle that genius. So sometimes they would just let him go and then they would they would capture 
things that were like golden and it became part of the movie. Right. So, so I'm not knocking Will Smith. He is an amazing actor. I mean, we've loved him since uh, yeah. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. In fact, I heard there's a remake song of the Aladdin movie. I'm sure you can Google and check it out. He's They wrote a song to Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but now it's to go with Aladdin. It was kind of funny. I saw some of the lyrics to it, but um, I'm going to give it a chance. But just like, you know, when you have the original, it's hard to go back and change it up and let somebody else. I mean, I like the original Parent Trap. I like the remake Parent Trap. But, you know, sometimes it's never the same for you. Correct. We'll just have to watch and see. Disney expanding solar energy project at Walt Disney World, which is something that I feel like Walt would be all for because he was all about our country and what he could do for the world. So the New York Times reported this week that Walt Disney World's green practices and how by the end of the year, they're going to bring the new 270-acre, 50-megawatt solar facility online. It's located outside of Animal Kingdom, and this new facility will help Disney reach its goal of reducing its net greenhouse emissions by 50%, which is pretty amazing, I would... That is. That's that's definitely significant. The article also covers Disney parks around the world and the commitment to caring for the environment, which I know Walt would have been... Proud of Tokyo Disneyland's electrical pr- parade light show is fueled by solar panels from eight building rooftops. That's pretty amazing. Wow. And very cool. Disneyland Paris uses geothermal energy to power its theme parks and hotel. Shanghai Disney Resort uses a combined cooling and heating plant to help reduce emissions by 60%, partially by converting waste heat into energy. Disney Cruise Line is building three new cruise ships that will be clean burning liquefied natural gas. And I know you're going to talk more about those cruise ships later in the show. Um, In an effort to maintain green practice and protect our environment, while Disney World has begun using renewable solar energy to power sections of its 43 square mile property and last week Disney announced that they are expanding this project. The additional half a million solar panels will provide up to 25% of the resort's energy needs. Wow. So they are putting stock in the whole solar process. and Solar process, you know, more green processes to try to help the environment. So I feel that Disney does put their money where their mouth is on some of this stuff. And this is this is an example of that. So you got to give them kudos for that. They're at least trying. Yeah, for sure. Oh, good. I'm glad you pulled this article up. Okay. Yeah. Next up on my list is the new parking garage at the Disneyland Resort to include a pedestrian bridge. So construction on that is progressing. And it's a, a new 6,500 space parking structure that's going up next to the 10,000 space Mickey and Friends parking structure. And as of Thursday, Disneyland announced that a new pedestrian bridge will be built across the Magic Way, connecting the structures to downtown Disney. Because currently guests that choose to walk, instead of riding the tram, they have to cross the Magic Way at Disneyland Drive. But the new bridge will make the walk safer and easier. And this is what I thought was interesting. The tram, the new parking structure and tram hub It's expected to be completed next year, and it will not only increase the vehicle capacity in that area by 65%, but it'll also include a 60% increase in the number of access lanes. I just thought that increasing the capacity by 65% was significant. Yeah. Well, and um, I noticed that uh, when we, this is not Disney, but when we were in Vegas and they had all those over the road walkways, Yeah. they only had a few of those when we were there 10 or 12 years ago, but now they're everywhere and it's smart. For one thing, it's cutting down on the injuries for people uh, walking out and getting hit by cars or trying to outrun the, the cars or whatever. But I just think it's safer all the way around and it's keeping the flow of traffic going. 
Yes. Yeah. If you take it vertical, you know, you eliminate the traffic portion of it, like pedestrian versus traffic. You know, you, right. You kind of take that out of the equation, which is, like you said, I think it's safer. And another cool thing, you get some pretty cool pictures from all of those. Yes, you do. Those are some of the best pictures that I got when we were in Vegas. And I know that it'll be the same way. Uh, you'll get pictures that you would have never got before of Disneyland. Oh, yeah. So uh, I think it's a win-win all the way around. Yep. So Fox reportedly promises a generous severance to the employees released in Disney's acquisition. So, yeah, I know. This Here we is, go. So, Thomas Grassmayer, the chief human resources officer at 21st Century Fox, has released a memo to employees promising them a generous severance to those who'll be laid off as a result of the Disney's acquisition of the company, according to Hollywood Reporter this week. The memo was released in an effort to calm the employees who were worried about losing their jobs. Disney is preparing to absorb the assets it acquired from Fox in the $56.3 billion acquisition executed earlier this year. And if you remember right, it was supposed to be $71.3 billion. But Fox elected to sell the Sky um, part of their business to Comcast, which I'm sure also caused problems, which we've reported on. This partial takeover is expected to be completed early next year. So these people are probably wondering how much money they can spend for Christmas this year because they don't know if they're going to have a job. There's so far been no indication regarding the number of layoffs that can be expected. And Disney's Disney also announced that Peter Rice, currently the president of 21st Century Fox, will become the chairman of Walt Disney Television and co-chair of Disney Media Networks, which I previously told you in the other article. Yes, it sounds like the the gauntlet has been laid down here. They're they're telling people or setting the expectation there's going to be layoffs. So I think like this says they're trying to appease them by offering a generous severance. As well they should. And they should. I mean, especially if people have been working there for years and years and years. Those, I mean, those are the people I really feel sorry for because if it's, you know, if it's younger, if it's younger people, you know, and they're not been in the workforce maybe but 5 years, it's probably much easier for them to transition and just get a new job. Whether as opposed to people who've been 20, 25, 30 years, now they're going to be left with either deciding is the severance enough to get me to my next job or to retirement, or they're going to have to find something else. Yeah, it is. In today's society, no one stays in their job very long, not even in education. Um, it's just a different field. It's not what it was years ago. Overall, the job is not the same. So it's the same in the business field for you. So let's hope no offense to the young people, please. If you're listening and you're a young person, I'm not belittling you, but your your um, generation seems to be able to move jobs and deal with change a little bit easier than the older situation, especially when you're in a job for a long time to switch a job. It's it's very difficult. And uh, so I hope that they make good choices when yeah. they're getting rid of people. But yeah. who knows? Me too. This is for my friend Nick, who I hope is listening to the show. I know that he is in the happiest place on earth, but the Jedi Training Academy is closing at Disneyland Resort, and I knew he would be upset. Now, before you freak out, Nick, as far as we know right now, it's staying at Hollywood Studios. They said um, it lets younger guests learn the way of the Jedi and show off their skills on the stage, and it's going to be coming to a close at Disneyland. However, it seems to see be okay on the East Coast. A Disney representative confirmed that the news of the Jedi Training Academy closing, currently known as Jedi Training trials of the temple at both resorts would be ending soon. In a statement by The Laughing Place, the representative added, at the Disneyland Resort, we continually refine and adjust our creative entertainment offerings while still preserving the guest experience. Star Wars remains a huge focus for us and we look forward to opening the Star
Star Wars Galaxy's Edge next summer. So um, to me, that leaves a door open. Uh, it does not say that in the article. I think that they could bring it back when they get the Star Wars Galaxy Edge open, but who knows? But at this point, we've heard nothing in the pipeline that it's going to be closing at Hollywood Studios, which will make Nick happy because I know he loves for... Uh, Colin too. Yeah, it may be reimagined and brought back slightly different way. Who knows? Yeah, that Who sounds knows? like a Disney thing for sure. Yeah. So Fox has reported this week that the Rookie of the Year remake is going to come out. It was a 1993 movie. Um, about a kid that broke his arm and then when his arm got well, he was like this amazing baseball player and they brought him on at the major leagues. It was a cute movie. And so all we know right now is that Gregor and Mann wrote the screenplay for Disney's Magic Camp and they're the ones that they're wanting to do um, the remake. It's also going to be released on the streaming service, apparently. Bob Hopper, producer of the original film, is also t- tapped to be in on the remake and the original film's um, talks about this boy. He signs on with the Chicago Cubs and leads them to the World Series. So the next part of my uh, segment is going to make every adult and kid happy that I know anyway, is Fox has reported that they're going to do a prequel to The Sandlot. Woo-hoo! Another classic baseball film focused on young boys who love the game. If you've never seen the whole movie, like myself, I know. I'm People are booing at me as I speak. I've never really sat... The kids watch it all the time. I know you watch it with them. Um, and I know a lot of kids know it. Uh, they've recently come out with t-shirts I think it's at Kohl's that have uh, you're killing me smalls I say that to my kids all the time at school and the first couple times that I said it like I don't know three or four years ago I didn't think they had a clue what I was talking about and they're like oh the Sandlot so every kid knows that so be on the lookout for that they are going to do the prequel to the Sandlot nice yeah I think it's going to be a huge hit Christopher Robin uh, that we never got to see which I'm sad to say is coming out on digital and Blu-ray November the 6th. So if you did not get to go to the theaters to see that, I know Nick didn't either. So maybe we'll have a Christopher Robert Robin uh, preview. We'll have to do that. We should yeah. hook it up at the Han's new house because they have all that room for everybody to sit and watch movies. Have to be a night of... Disney. Disney. Disney fun. Here's the hotel update. Okay. Disneyland Resort has announced that it's canceling its luxury resort hotel. After a month-long hiatus, this has been going on, I've been reporting on this, and I told Nick, it's never ending at this point, but after the month-long hiatus in Disneyland's resort's luxury fourth hotel project, Disneyland Resort confirmed the project has been officially canceled. Okay. So the luxury resort was announced in the fall of 2017 with a projected opening of 2021, but just prior to them breaking ground for the new property, the city of Anaheim informed Disney officials that the project would no longer qualify for the pre previously agreed upon tax subsidiary. So see, it all comes down to the money. It is. Always. It's the money. So since the announcement of the hotel, Disneyland Resort had moved the location of the hotel by a thousand feet, forcing the city to view it as a new project. In response to the city, this past August, Disneyland announced they were putting the hotel project on hold indefinitely, but recently this week announced that it was completely closed. The uh, Disneyland Resort president, Josh DeMauro, wrote a letter to the city asking to dissolve two economic development agreements. Several restaurants on the west end of downtown Disney had been closed in preparation for the hotel's construction, and some of those were Rainforest Cafe, ESPN Zone, AMC Theaters, Earl's Sandwich, and Starbucks, and a few more. The announcement of the hotel project put on hold following the closing of these locations, and to keep up their business, Disney brought in some food trucks over the summer, which were actually big hits. As you know, they brought in food trucks at uh, Disney Springs in Florida. Oh, yeah. So last week, to the excitement of many 
guests Earl of Sandwich reopened for a limited time and no official close date has been announced at this time. So the hotel is no longer. So I'm hoping that means they're going to open those places back up for business because I'm sure that the people in California are missing Rainforest Cafe, ESPN Zone, AB, the AMC theaters, because I know we visit AMC every time we go. So I'm sure that we'll be hearing more about that in the future and we'll report it to you as we get it. This next one, Vic, this made both of our lists. Well, go ahead. I'm going to let you report on it. I've been talking for three articles or something. Okay. Well, this one is the Walt Disney Company contributes $1 million to Hurricane Michael disaster relief. So in the wake of the devastating destruction from that hurricane hitting Florida's Gulf Coast, the Walt Disney Company announced they'll be making a contribution to relief aid for those affected by the storm. So the Disney Parks blog reports that the donation will go to support recovery efforts as well as disaster response along Florida's Gulf Coast and other impacted areas. And the Parks blog also reports that, quote, in addition to Disney's donation announced Friday, contributions from Disney employees to eligible relief and recovery organizations will be matched dollar for dollar by Disney Employee Matching Gift, a program of the Walt Disney Company Foundation, end quote. I'm glad. I am really glad. I do feel like they do their part. Um, I know Nick always says that the number could be bigger, and it could, but if they're doing the employee matching gifts, I imagine that more people living in Florida are going to be donating that work for Disney, and the number will exceed the $1 million mark. And there are other companies also donating, too. They're always hard on Disney, um, I think, because they're big down there, but there are other big companies, which we won't name. Right. I know people always have a beef. No matter what people give, Disney is kind of a target because they're like, well, $1 million, that's nothing to Disney. Right. And they're always kind of um, slamming them a bit. But I'm always of the frame of mind that when it comes to donations for things like that, don't ever disparage no matter what amount because they could have given nothing. Exactly. You know, you need to just, and it's up to the company. They don't have to give. They could have chosen to give zero. That's exactly right. So I always just take whatever they give at face value and be thankful for that and move on. Exactly. The next one is actually mine. I think this is the last one of my articles in this week's list. Okay. And it's not really anything specific, but I titled this Leaving Boxes Unchecked. So This sounds like a good title for you. And I based this off of one of Walt Disney's quotes about Disneyland. And the quote is this, Disneyland is something that will never be finished. So my question to people is, so things will never be finished and it's always changing. Why do we put so much pressure on doing every single thing when we're at certain places? So like for us, it depends on the situation. We know every year we've gone to Walt Disney World. So for us, there's not as much pressure to check everything off the list in one trip because we know we're probably going to go back, you know, in the future. Right. Some people, you know, like if we went to Disneyland because we've never been, we would probably be more a check off the list kind of trip. Make sure we see everything. Because we don't know when we would get to go back. But if things aren't ever finished, why put so much pressure on ourselves to check everything off the list? That's my question. Because I'm the I'm the type A personality all the way. I like lists. I like, like to, to check, check them off. I like to check them off. I even get frustrated in church when, when I miss a blank on the pastor's notes. I'm like, what does, what's the goes in the blank? I know. I saw you blank? guys freaking out yesterday. <laughs> so that's just me. But it's kind of weird because when we take our Disney trip every year, I think once I'm in Disney, I'm completely opposite 
opposite of that. I don't like to have a, I don't like to race to everything and check off the box. Obviously, you don't have a choice when it comes to your, your scheduled fast passes and your dining reservations. That's obviously, you've got to make those. But I don't like a set schedule when it comes to being in Disney because I'm in the bubble and I want to experience the bubble. I don't want to experience the type A personality that I have to live the rest of the year. And I think that you've grown a lot in that way because, well, the first time we went, we didn't know if we'd ever get to go back. Right. So Angela was making sure that we got to what she felt like was the musties, which I was would yeah. say that the video, if you watch the TV in your room, it'll say these are must-see things. And she made sure that we pretty much did everything on there other than the water parks. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Yes. Love you, Angela. <laughs> I just don't know that I would do that trip. I don't know that I would do a trip that way again. I'm glad that we did that. Especially we, in We June. got to do a lot of stuff. Yes. But I don't know that I would do that again now at this point. Right. Well, and now we know that we're probably going to go back again. We didn't know at the time if right. that was going to even be a possibility. So now you're right that we go there. I think that you've just grown to know that. We sit down as a family. We pick out the restaurants that we want to eat at. We make the reservations and we know. And now that we're used to having a park hopper, we've been really good about not necessarily going back. Last year, we didn't go back to a park that we thought we were going to. We we right. took a nap and we're like, you know what? Let's go to Disney Springs. So yeah. um, I think you're right. I think that that bubble calms you down and takes you out of your Edward Jones brain and lets you have a vacation and actually, you know, decompress with everything that's going on. Which kind of leads into this next one that you had on the list. I thought it was interesting. Oh, yeah. So you can book your ultimate Disney Christmas time package starting October 22nd, which is interesting for sure, Nick. Or Brad. Phew, I just called you Nick. Brad, <laughs> I even know you're not Nick. Um, um, is we've booked our trip or we had to book in April so that we can get free dining. But now Disney's offering a package that you can start on October 22nd. If you've ever wanted to go at Christmas time and you, you know, you have the time, you've just found out that you have the time on October 22nd, you can start beginning to book a magical vacation to Walt Disney World for the week before Christmas. That's when they have it open for. The guests can enjoy a five night stay at a select Disney moderate, Disney deluxe or Disney deluxe villa resort. So none of the value resorts are involved in this. It's a a four-day theme park tickets with park hopper option and some exclusive experiences at Walt Disney World Resort during your stay, including one of them is Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party. I did read that. Um, if you want to book a trip, you can contact us at 407-674-0414 or if you just want a free quote to see if you can actually swing it. And it could be like a last-minute Christmas present to your spouse or to your children. You just don't know. Um, you have from October 22nd to December the 2nd to book for a trip December 17th through December 22nd. Now, again, you're going to have to be out of school or be willing to take your kids out of school. The sample pricing for this festive vacation starts at $107 per $75 per person per night for a family of four in a garden view room at Disney's Port of Orleans would give you a package price of $3,500. Now that's just one resort. We can price different resorts for you if you would like. Um, we would love to do that for you. Uh, Nick has never been there that close to Christmas before. He went at the beginning of Christmas last year or no, he was there at Thanksgiving, which was already set up for Christmas. I do remember that. So if you really want to be there at the Christmas time and feel the Christmas joy, the magic, this would be the time to do it because I've never seen this package before. That doesn't mean that I'll never come back, but that's how something happens. They find, you know, that must be a time for them that's kind of dead between the time that 
people are coming Thanksgiving and right after, and then right before Christmas rush, that week must be their dead week if they're, you know, willing to give up some, make a package out of it. So I would encourage you to check it out. Yes. And I would highly encourage you, if you've not been there at Christmas before, at least go one. Yeah. Because I know it's our tradition to go there every Christmas now, but crowds are a little bit, you know, they can be overwhelming. If you do it right, you can... You can still have a great time as long as you know what times to avoid the most during the Christmas season. We always encourage get up early, go in at rope drop. That works. Definitely works for us. Leave about lunchtime, rest at the resort. I don't know, visit another resort, swim, whatever, and then come back later at night when people are getting tired and cranky. And then you kind of, you don't have the park to yourself, but the numbers are just different. Yes, they are. And um, people are not as cranky either. All right, Vic. We've thrown a lot of rumors and news at them. How about we wrap it up with some history? So I think it's about that time. Vicki, why don't you take us back? Here we go. We're traveling backwards in time. Right now, we're leaving the world of today behind. So if your imagination is ready, here we go. October 17th, 1998. Uh, Kaylee Black, I hope you're listening because I picked this one for you. The Disney Channel original movie Halloween Town starring Debbie Reynolds, Judith Hogue, Kimberly J. Brown, Joey Zimmerman, and Emily Roski premiered. And I know that even, I don't know as much as last year, but I know that you were watching this when you were still living at home with us when you were in high school. So it's just a really cute little movie. If you've never seen it, I know Disney's going to be airing it this month. So check it out, Halloween Town. Or you probably can find it unless it's already been removed for the Disney streaming service, you might be able to find it on Netflix. But really great movie. And, you know, Debbie Reynolds is amazing. She's gone now. So definitely want to keep that one in the mix. October 18th, 1967. Disney's 19th animated feature film, The Jungle Book, has its general release. Rudyard Kipling's classic tale of the jungle is the last animated feature personally supervised by Walt Disney. It was directed by Wolfgang Reitherman. The film features the voices of Phil Harris as Baloo, Sebastian Cabot as Bagheera, Louis Prima as King Louie, George Sanders as Shira Khan, Sterling Holloway as Ka, Bruce Reitherman as Mowgli, and Clint Howard as Junior. Uh, The songs that were in that movie are the song that made got an Academy Award was written by Terry Gilkison and it was Bare Necessities which I think we all know that song. October 19th, 2000, the new Fast Pass booths opened at the Haunted Mansion in Walt Disney World. Woohoo! I know. Brad's uh, Haunted Mansion's his ride. Well, People Movers his ride, but Haunted Mansion's close second. Because it's much like, you know, you just sit and you just watch and you just ride. It's around in a circle. That's right up my alley. And music. It has lots of music. And music. Yes. October 20th, 1965. Oh, and it's horror. Or it's meant to be horror and you like horror. I like horror. Yeah. October 20th, 1965. As Disney has secretly purchased much of the land needed to build a new Florida theme park resort, news of the project leaked to the Orlando Sentinel. Oops. Yeah. How amazing, though. I mean, he'd been keeping that a secret. I think that's a good deal. I mean, and then the park didn't open until 1971, so six years later. I just think it's funny. By the time they caught on, he had already, like... Bought bought, it all up. Bought most of what he needed to make it a a reality. Yep. Yeah. October 21st, 2007, the Best of Both Worlds tour starring Miley Cyrus as both herself and in character as Disney Channel's Hannah Montana and featuring the Jonas Brothers perform at the Target Center in Minneapolis, 
Minnesota. That was also the tour that our daughter got to see. I don't know if it was 2007 or when it came in 2008, but she got to go with one of her friends to yeah. see Hannah Montana. And I remember she was actually Hannah Montana for a couple Halloweens. Yes, she was. Yeah, she was a big Hannah Montana fan. October 22nd, 1997, the Orlando Sentinel reports that Walt Disney World sources have revealed plans to close the Fantasyland staple, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, in favor of a trip through the Hundred Acre Wood with Pooh and his friends. And I know, um, wow, Kaylee was little. I didn't realize it was this long ago, but I know that this was very upsetting for uh, Dave that used to be on the show. He really liked Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. And I remember hearing a story from some comedian about how he was so excited to take his child to experience the wild <laughs> Mr. Toad's Wild Ride and went there and it was closed being rebuilt into poo. And he said that was a bunch of poo. It was a bunch of poo that was being turned into poo. Yep. But he was not happy about it. Okay. October 23rd, 2013 is my last one for this week. The Villas at Disney's Grand Floridian Resort and Spa opened at Walt Disney World. And this is the newest property of Disney Vacation Club. The 106 units of the villas range from the studio to a 2,800 square foot grand villa, which is bigger than our home. Just saying. Yep. It includes three bedrooms, four bathrooms, a dining table that seats 12 people, and a separate media room with a home theater system. And I know that you said someday you would like to stay there. That was your when we did that episode. Yes. Uh, at some point, I do want to stay here uh, for obvious reasons. All of what you just said. Well, and it's so close. And, and you can yeah. ride the monorail right to the Disney or oh, to Magic Kingdom or to uh, Epcot. Yeah. So a lot of cool perks. Oh, yeah. Thanks for listening. If you haven't responded already, please take the time to be a part of our listener feedback episode that's coming up next week. I posted the questions on Facebook uh, Thursday, October 11th. We're needing all the responses to be into us by Thursday, October 18th, which is tomorrow, preferably by five o'clock if at all possible. Tis the season of haunts. For sure. Yeah, so Nick is wanting you guys to write in and tell us all about Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party, if you've been to Disney World or Disneyland in the fall. Any stories that you have about that. I know several of you have already wrote in to us. We had a couple new people that wrote in to us. I will mention them when we actually do the show. So we're looking forward to getting your responses and compiling those together for the show. They'll be the first show, first or second show, when Nick gets back from his trip. If you are interested in being a guest on our show or you have a question or comment, simply text us at 4 or email us at mousecapadespodcast at gmail.com. Or if you would like to book a trip or you just want a free quote, text us at 407-674-0414 or contact us at travel at mousecapadespodcast.net. Check us out on our social media accounts. Instagram is mousecapades underscore Nick. Our Facebook page is the Mousecapades Podcast and our Twitter account at mousecapadespod. If you've been looking at all, Nick's been blowing those up, so make sure you check that stuff out. And remember to check out our friends at waltexpress.com for all things Disney. And as always, thanks for listening to the number one podcast that entertains that space between your ears, the Mousecapades Podcast. Be sure to listen to Friday's show as we talk about the Disney College program. You won't want to miss it. I know I wish I could have been a part of this magical program. Well, Vic, I think it's about that time. Peace. And love. Have Have a a magical magical day, day, my friends. You've been listening to the all-new Mousecapades Podcast. Be our guest. Put our service to the test. If you have questions, comments, or would like to be a guest on the show, please visit our website. 
You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening. And have a magical day.